Hey everyone, before this podcast begins, we want to tell you about some other arts-related podcasts you're going to love. They are The Conduit Music Podcast, Artsville, Gringo and the Man, Art World Horror Stories, and Not Real Art. On these action-packed podcasts, you'll hear experts talk about creativity, design, the music biz, the art world, visual art, American craft, Chicano art, street art, graffiti, and even stand-up comedy. So be sure to find and follow these great arts podcasts today. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to Not Real Art, the podcast that celebrates creative culture and talks to the world's most creative people. I am your host, Sourdough, your faithful, tireless, fearless host, back at you again. And today's episode is going to be part of a theme. As some of you know, I just got back from Burning Man a few weeks ago. And, you know, it's so important after a big event like that to decompress In fact, in Burning Man culture, you talk about decompression. What are you going to do to decompress? There are decompression meetups, decompression parties all over the place as people try to enter back into the so-called default world. And so I thought it'd be fun to do a few episodes talking to burners as they decompress you heard my episode last week of my, my, my own decompression episode, talking to you a little bit about my experience there on Playa. Today, we're going to talk to Newbie. Newbie is a burner who stays at a different camp, he, the heebie-jeebie camp. And Newbie's an old friend, and her real name will not be revealed. But Newbie is a great friend, uh, entertainment professional, and podcast professional as well. And she and I, she hails from Denver, Colorado. And she and I hopped on and talked about her experience, a little bit about my experience, but mostly about her experience and try to process her sort of decompression. So I thought it'd be interesting for you guys to hear her story and be able to tap into some of the playa magic that happens there at Burning Man and hear from this really smart, cool, fun human we call newbie. So, you know, without further ado, let's get into this and hear from the one and only newbie. Newbie, welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast. Hi, thank you, thank you. I'm excited to be here. So Newbie is your playa name. 
Mm-hmm. which is very appropriate because this is our Burning Man, post-Burning Man decompression episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's good to keep our playa names intact, in if nothing else, to protect the innocent. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> and I feel like fame is so overrated these days. There's nothing more valuable than your anonymity. So let's keep it that way, right? I love that. Yes, that is absolutely true. That is what it's about. So newbie, just to set level set here and, and provide a little context for our audience, million listeners out there. Yeah. Let's, I mean, you and I are fresh back off the playa. We've just washed the dust off from Burning Man 2022, Waking Dreams. What a hell of a burn. I'm so grateful that you wanted to come on and share with me and chat with me and decompress with me for a little bit, because as vivid as everything is now, of course, things sort of fade away, but and it's been three years since our last burn. You know, usually it's once a year. So I don't know, the rhythm or the muscle memory or the memories, I guess, are perhaps easier to maintain sometimes. But anyway, so here we are and we get to chat and record for posterity, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what our burns were like. But you go first. I, I want to hear from you. I mean, you know, first of all, newbie, how many burns was this for you too, this year? This was my fifth burn. Fifth burn. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So you're two years my senior because this is my third burn. Although this was my first year seeing the man burn. Whoa. How'd you miss it twice? Well, but my daughter's birthday is August 30th. Oh. So historically, I have gone in early, set up camp, and then I have left early to be there for my daughter's birthday. However, this year, she gave me her blessing to stay the whole burn. And nice. so I got to see the man burn for the first time, which was amazing. So this was your fifth burn. Yeah. And of course, every burn is the best burn. <laughs> it's like, right, right? I mean, maybe except for the weather. You know, this year's weather was freaking hot and windy and dusty and all that. But Take us through. I mean, you're called newbie, which is interesting because you're not a newbie anymore. So Mm -hmm. how does number five compare to number one? Mm. Well, number one, I came in because my friends had told me there was this awesome party in the desert. (laughs) Well, that's (laughs) true. That's a true statement. (laughs) It is. But I quickly, once I got the survival guide, I was like, oh, wait a minute. What is this you guys signed me up for? <laughs> yeah. And then I read about it. And I, in my first one, I was like, wait, okay, so we're going in Thursday, but we can go in Monday? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm going in Monday. I'll catch you guys there Thursday. <laughs> so I went in by myself, my very first burn. I rolled wow, in Wow, good for you. Yeah, it was uh It was uh, crazy. I hitchhiked. I hitchhiked from the airport. I found a ride at the airport. (laughs) (laughs) You, man, you are a pro. I love it. (laughs) So that was my entrance into Burning Man. And each year has gotten, for me, my experience is that each year I'm dialing it in more and more in terms of, for me, it's an energetic portal. And for me, it is magic and instant manifestation that has been increasing every year. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating. It's not, you don't get, you don't get what you want, mm-hmm. but if you're paying attention, there's just constantly signs and synchronicities and magic and people that you run into that are there for you. They're there to guide you to the next thing that you're supposed to do. And so for me, actually in 2019, I joked that I won Burning Man. 
because (laughs) it was nonstop magic. It was this beautiful, magical thing from start to end. And so I knew that when I came this year, I would have to do it totally different. And oh my God, it was. It was really, really different for me. So what was the, if you could talk about one major difference, how was it so different? Mm. Well, this time I got volunteered to be the leader of early team. And our camp has been around for 21 years. We have massive infrastructure. And through the series of events, I went from being like the co-lead supporting the person who's been doing it, this incredible woman, to the fact that she wasn't coming. And now I was put in this position of like actual leadership. And no so stress was, there, right? <laughs> no stress there. And then and then on top of that, we have this like playbook that we follow. But then on top of that, the org was like, oh, sorry, you can't have 22 people. You have to have 12 people your first day. And you're starting a day later. And we're like, wait, we have tents that require 16 people to like all at the same time lift these parachutes in the air and slide them down on rebar. And if the wind blows while it's in the air, like you're you're fucked. Yeah, It has to be efficient. It has to be clear. There's a mm-hmm. lot of like group dynamic. And so we're like recruiting people the first day to help us. Mm-hmm. And we set up two tents and we're high-fiving each other. And we're like, this is we're the most efficient early team. This is amazing. And then we like totally were overconfident and forgot that the playa wants to kill you. <laughs> Bears are real. <laughs> it's, and then that night we had the hurricane force winds roll through and take out everything we did. Oh my God. Yeah. It was crazy. We took shelter. We took shelter in our semi when the right. wind was rolling through. And then from that point on, the whole week was just about how to get everyone having fun and, and building a camp. And, you know, and it was hot. It was a very, very, very hot year temperature wise. And so the whole first part of my burn, I'm like, I got to see, I got to step into leadership. I got to step into leadership in a crisis. Mm. And then I had this really powerful mirror the rest of the week of people telling me like, but how good I was. And when you did this, that was like a masterclass in leadership. And meanwhile, I'm like, I just was being me. Like I was just getting it done the way that I know how. And so it's like, I'm still processing that piece of it. Cause I'm like, what does it mean? <laughs> right, 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 right. I thought I was just going to go have fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you hit on a key point because your camp's been around for 20 years. I mean, this camp, I mean, they're just sort of, dare I say, a bit legendary in many ways, a camp of healers. I don't know really your origin story about how you connected with Heebie but yeah, man. I mean, you know, there's pressure there. I mean, there's pressure, period, just because you're a conscientious human being who wants to do a good job and you don't want anybody to get hurt and you're trying to do it right and all that good stuff. And But then you layer in the fact that you've been put in this leadership position either by whether that was intentional or by accident or whatever the case might be. But there you are. And, uh, you know, you're, you're feeling the strain of all of this. And obviously, it sounds like you handled it with amazing grace, which is beautiful. But how did you link up with HBGB and, and talk about the camp? That's actually a really funny story. The way that I ended up at the HBGB camp was because I came back from that first burn and I was telling my mom about it. And I was describing all of the art and the city. And she's like, I got to go. I got to go to Burning Man. And I'm like, yes, mom. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, no, I need to go. And I'm like, okay. 
<laughs> let's find a camp that works for you. Like right, what is it? Right. What is a camp that would allow my 74 year old mom sure. to feel welcome and safe and have this like oasis from like the cacophonia that that is out there and, <laughs> yes yes and so i found the hebes and i'm like a healing camp yes that's perfect like it'll be and it ended up being the camp for me right like, wow yeah there's some magic for you right <laughs> yeah so we've been around for 21 years and we offer healing to the playa we do body work and we have chiropractors and acupuncturists and we do a lot of energy work and, you know, we tend to, when I'm healing on the playa, I tend to, in the past, I have attracted people who have kind of fucked up their burn and they don't mm. know why they don't feel good and they don't know why they're not having fun. And I help them to work through that and get their burn back on track. Yeah. That's a big deal, right? Because I mean, you know, the 10 principles, I mean, in terms of like, radical self-reliance well i mean if you don't know how to be you know if you're not self-reliant in the default world how the hell are you going to be self-reliant on the playa which is trying to kill you <laughs> you know yeah it's, yeah it's a very challenging thing well and i think what's really surprising for a lot of people is the amount of freedom that they feel yeah. when they're there that that feeling of like just being fully accepted for however it is that you want to show up your your self-expression is allowed no matter what it is and I think for a lot of people that's kind of painful because they feel that and then they recognize how they are in the default world in the regular world and how they're hiding and how they're not being themselves and so it can get a little especially with their family of origin right like their parents like how many people are like their authentic selves in front of their parents that's a yeah good one. So speaking of parents again, I mean, does, was your mom there with you this year? Has she, does she go back with you every year now? Yeah, she goes every year. Oh, fuck yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, wow. She's, yeah. She's, and, and she's, it's just, it's awesome to see her. It's awesome to see her there. Like, I just have so many people who are like, I love your mom. Like, I love your mom. She's pretty great. They're like, okay, now we know why you're so cool. Because your mom <laughs> is even cooler. <laughs> 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 well, that explains a lot because you and I were texting a little bit early on and when we still had a signal, I guess, and you had said that you'd been on Playa for quite a while. And I, I guess I was one at the time, I didn't know you were camp lead. So I was like, oh, wow. I mean, she really rolled out extra early. Our camp, some of our core camp members did that same. They sort of came out on that Monday, but I knew why they were doing it because they were just trying to get camp set up a little bit extra early. So yeah, so you were out there building the camp and it's a, it's a big camp. You guys, I mean, you guys have a big camp. I don't know how many structures that you have, but you have what, four big structures? We actually have eight. Eight, eight military parachute tents, which after this year, like we're definitely going to. You're down to six? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I think so. Yeah, it's interesting. We're we're really having to look at our infrastructure because it's I mean, all of their they're twenty one years twenty one year old tents. Like yeah. they're they take a beating and, and this year they took an extra beating. So it's an ass kicker. We laugh about it because we're like, why like we're choosing this. We're choosing 
yeah. to do this thing. Uh, <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with us? What is wrong with us? We're like, yeah, let me go work in 105 degree heat and pound rebar into like cement ground. Right. And yeah, and drink warm water all day because there's no ice and like frantically build shades so that we don't die. <laughs> like, what? Nothing amazing uh, <laughs> ever happens without putting your life on the line. <laughs> you know, there is something to be said about that. There is something to be said about that. You do get rewarded when you take risks, I think, in this life. I so think. there's so much on your mind about your burn, you know, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because these things evaporate somehow. We tend to romanticize the good stuff. We tend to forget the bad stuff. The truly powerful personal moments never, I feel like, never leave, right? But but yeah. there is just a lot, you know, and I wanted to, to have you on to sort of provide an opportunity to sort of capture, right, this energy that is so pronounced right now and what have you. And, you know, without putting you on the spot, but putting you on the spot, <laughs> what do you want to say? What do you want to share? What do you want to capture here? Because, you know, we don't want to forget. Yeah. I guess I'm curious whether you had themes show up for your burn, because I definitely had themes show up for mine. And I'll just like rattle them off and then maybe we'll go someplace for one Mm -hmm. of them. But one of the themes that I had was discos. I had disco balls and disco music and disco artwork. And like everywhere I went, there were discos. And it was amazing because I freaking love disco music. So it's perfect for me. But the and another one was candy. I was offered candy everywhere I went. <laughs> and I don't eat candy, but for some reason it was so delicious that it right. was like every time I was offered it, like after the first time, and I was like, oh, this is actually pretty great. Next thing <laughs> I know, everywhere I go, I'm offered candy. And I'm like, yes, I do want that candy, turns out. But on the flip side of that, I had a burn where every single thing I tried to do Once early team was over and I had retired and I launched into the actual burn, every single thing I tried to do intentionally did not work out. The only time things worked out is when I was just kind of in a flow state. And then really great stuff showed. Still not the burn that I wanted. Like when I think about the burn that I wanted, this wasn't it. What burn did you want? I wanted dance parties with like 20 of my favorite people. And in an, you know, in a, out on Playa with just like the best art car rolling up, playing the best music. I wanted, I'm single and I'm like, this is my year. This is my year to like have some Playa dates and do some like really fun, like push my edges and boundaries when it comes to that kind of thing. And a little bit, but not that. It was not, it wasn't either of those things, but it was incredibly poignant and it was incredibly magic and yeah and I and the the leadership part of it I didn't see that coming at all and and that's that's still a really big piece of it so maybe you didn't get what you wanted did you get what you need yeah that's the thing that's what it does it gives us what we need it doesn't give us what we want what did you find out you needed that you didn't know well I have I could tell you a very like poignant story And I could tell you a very sort of mystical, magical, this is how the playa works story. Tell them both, please. (laughs) (laughs) We've got time. This is why we're here. We we want good stories. Okay. A number of burns ago, actually my second burn, 
is when I started really picking up on how the how quickly you can manifest things on Playa. Mm. And I had ended up at this campfire with a random group of people. And I had been thinking all night. I used to smoke. I quit smoking in a really long time ago. And But this particular night, for some reason, I was like, oh, gosh, a cigarette would be really lovely. And I'm like, maybe I could just have one every year when I come to Burning Man. Oh, that's really nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, that's fun. Like, I get to do it still, but it's very limited. There's no danger of it slipping. And I miss it and I love it. And so I end up randomly pulling into this campground. I love going out by myself. I go out by myself like 90% of the time when I'm on Playa. And I like pull into this camp where they're like having a campfire sing along. And this woman like pats the seat and I sit down next to her. We start talking and she's like, would you like a cigarette? (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, yes. I'm like, I would. I'm like, what do you smoke? And she's like, well, you probably won't want it because it's menthol. And I'm like, that's my cigarette. Like, I love menthol. Like, So that was my first Playa cigarette. And every year since then, I've had one. Right, right. So this year I roll into early team and the very first piece of moop matter out of place that I look down on the ground and see is a cigarette. (laughs) And I laugh and I'm like, is this my Playa cigarette? Like it's already here day one. And I look at it and it's not menthol. And so I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to hold off on this one. And I like prop it up on my, you know, in my living space. And then I promptly forget about it. All of the things happen. I literally do not remember my Playa cigarette. I don't remember it. Like I'm, there's so much other things happening. And now it's the last night and I go out to the last sunrise and I love saying goodbye to the Playa, especially at sunrise. It's like a way to just sort of close it out. And so I'm riding out there by myself and I have my journal and I've got my little speaker and I'm like going to watch the sunrise and meditate and journal all by myself. And I get out to the trash fence and I like set up and all of a sudden this woman comes walking over to me and she's obviously not having a good time. And she's like, I just feel so alone right now. Do you, I'm like, she's like, I don't want to interrupt your alone time, but I'm feeling alone. And I'm like, get over here. Come on over. Let's do this sunrise together. Like get on in here. And so she sits down next to me and we're like kind of hugging and talking and having this really amazing conversation, laughing. We've got a very similar sense of humor. She's like this beautiful woman. And then she goes, do you mind if I smoke a cigarette? (laughs) And at first, because I had forgotten it so much, at first I was like, I don't, but can you go over, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what kind of cigarette do you smoke? And she's like, I smoke menthol. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. magic. And then it gets even better because some other random woman who was also like kind of in our area by the trash fence comes walking over and is like, would you like some hot coffee? No. And so I have coffee and a cigarette at sunrise like that. (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite. Like when I smoked, that was my favorite. And it was like, thank you. Thank you, Playa. Yes. Yeah. That was magic. (laughs) That is magic. That's Playa magic right there. It is. I love it so much. I love it so much. And 
And so this is like how this would lead into my poignant story, which is that my dad passed away during the pandemic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So my dad actually passed as well. I know how you feel in that regard. I'm really sorry. Thank you. Yeah. Losing a parent is something that you do not understand until you actually do it, until you actually have it. It rocked me a bit for sure. And anyway, so I'm bringing a picture of my dad to the temple. Mm-hmm. And I am, this is the first night and I'm with one of my best friends and we're riding around Playa and we might have done a few mind altering things. So <laughs> allegedly, we're, allegedly we're riding around looking at art and we end up going by the temple and I don't have the picture of my dad with me. Like this is like, this is going to be a later thing, but I love looking at the temple in the beginning and then looking at it at the end of the week. And I like to just see how it feels. And so Mm. we walk through the temple and I'm thinking about my dad and talking about it with my friend. And we walk out of the temple. And the way that we see art is that when we're riding around deep playa, you know, like the randomness of what you end up running into, even if you try to go find something, it's really hard to do. And part of the art that you run into for me is playa magic as well. And so what we really try to do is drop into our intuition. And if either one of us at any time says, I got to go see this one, then that's what we do. And we go and we explore that thing. And so we get on our bikes and I'm telling him about my dad. And I'm like telling him how my dad shows up as butterflies. And Mm. it's ridiculous because he's not a butterfly guy, like at all. And I was like really struggling with it and kind of rejecting it at first because I thought I was making it up or I was attaching meaning to it or whatever. And and then it just would happen so consistently, like literally where like I would have a butterfly like fly up in my face. Like I'm thinking about my dad and I'd be like outside and all of a sudden a butterfly would like come right at me. And, And so I'm like, okay, now I'm at peace with it. And I'm like, hey, dad, like when I see the butterfly. And so I'm telling him this and we start riding our bikes and he's in front and I see this art piece and I'm like, wait, wait, I want to go ride through this. He's like, okay. So he waits and I turn around and I ride up backwards through this art piece. And the art piece is these giant tree branches that are coming up from the playa. And on the end of the branches are these golden pods that are like hanging down all along. So it's kind of like a tree branch hallway. Yep. And so I ride, did you see this piece or I no? I did, yeah. You yeah, did, yeah. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. So I ride up through it to the top of it and my bike stops dead. Like, you know how you have those pockets of like quicksand? Oh, where yeah, like, the sand traps. Oh, yeah, yeah, the sand traps. Yeah. So most times, right, like especially if you're not pedaling very fast, you can kind of just like pedal your way through it. Right, right. Not, this was like a dead hard stop. Hard stop, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm like, Uh, I guess I'm supposed to stop here for a minute. (laughs) Hold on a second. So I get off my bike and I walk to the top of this art piece and I'm not super paying attention, but I can hear things like kind of twinkling in the breeze. Like there's branches on either side of this desk and there's things hanging on the branches that are kind of twinkling and making noise. And I look down at the desk and I see like a couple Sharpies and a drawer and I pull open the drawer and inside the drawer are butterflies, wooden (laughs) butterflies. And the point is to write what you love on these butterflies and then Mm. hang them on the art piece. Sure. Wow. And my dad was a woodworker. Yeah. And I'm like, Mm. 
like immediately like just burst into tears because it was like understanding the number of things that needed to line up to get to that moment. Mm. The mm. chances that I would even find that art piece, that I would come across it the like right after telling the story about my dad, it just felt like the biggest gift yeah. I could have ever. Like it was better than any picture in a temple. Mm. You know, it was like my dad was there. It was really, it was lovely, lovely, lovely closure for mm. me, especially in a time like when someone passes in COVID and the way that funerals are and the way that things rolled out, it was like very unclosure like. Yeah. What a gift. What a gift. It really was. It's funny. I had people, there were two things that happened that Playa gave me time back to on another night where the same night, actually, the same night. We'd seen all of the art. We had gone all the way out to Deep Playa. We're like sitting on this random couch out in Deep Playa and like talking about the, the sun's going to rise any minute. And the next thing you know, Robot Heart comes rolling directly towards us, <laughs> fought, like with the entire Playa following behind it like a swarm of bright, sparkly fish. And so we decide we're going to catch robot heart later in the week and we're gonna head in and we hit a couple more art and then we had a cuddle puddle and we kind of fall asleep and then we wake up again and then we're like okay really like how is the sun not up we have got to get to bed let's stop at the porta potties and then my friend comes out of the porta potty and he's like do you want to know what time it is and i'm like i do not i don't think i want to know what time it is at all and he's like yeah no yeah do and i'm like okay and he's like it's three <laughs> like, we start high-fiving each other we're like, like yes yes we got time we don't have to go to bed yet. <laughs> we're ahead of schedule, ahead of schedule. <laughs> turns out turns out we had a whole night and now we still have extra time yeah oh yeah. man great but that that wow <laughs> I mean, that's it. These stories are but two examples, right, yeah. of yeah. the probably mil perhaps millions of, of stories like this that people yeah. have. You have 80,000 people coming together and the synchronicities, the interactions, the magical moments. I mean, probably countless, you know, on a certain level. Most definitely. Most definitely. Like even like this little tiny moment, right, where I'm riding back from the – I'm riding back from Deep Playa and I see this guy walking by himself and I see him bend over and pick up Moop. And when he holds it up, it's like a card. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, just as that moment, I'm riding by him and I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, what is the Playa telling you? Mm -hmm. And he goes, oh. And he like looks at the card and he says, the Playa is asking me whether I plan to go to Bali. And I'm like, do you plan to go to Bali? And he's like, yeah, actually, I've been thinking about it. And I'm like, mm -hmm. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Get your ticket. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> wow. Did you make it back to Temple with your dad's photo after that? Because I could see how after that magical moment, maybe it was all you needed, right? You know, I, but maybe not. Like, I don't know. How did that impact your intention, I guess, moving forward? Yeah, so it's really interesting. That question, I get that question a lot. Like from the people who have told this story to you, that mm. question comes up a lot. And also the question of what did I do when I found out it was 3 a.m.? And for me, the answer is so clear. There's mm. not even a debate. 
And so it's curious to me that I have this like set idea of what the answer is, but other people are are like not sure. And so where does that come from? I don't know. But the 100% I did not put my dad's picture. Putting my dad's picture in the temple to me would have been dishonoring the gift that I was given. Right. Sure. I totally get that. I was given this incredible gift and to like want more after Mm, that is not, that's not it. It's not honoring what I was given. And the same thing goes for the time. We were, our intention was to go home and go to bed so that we could actually have a day. Mm. And we were given time. We were given time to sleep, you know? Right. Great point. And so going back out again would have been greedy yeah it would have been greedy we wouldn't have acknowledged the gift that we were given which was we really wanted to be able to have some sleep and we were given that yeah it's that sort of awareness that is i mean not that every i mean certainly not everyone of the eighty thousand people that go have that level of awareness but i mean when you hopefully over time certainly right as you go to different burns or whatever you learn that awareness right is so important to understand what's happening in a moment and to be able to kind of respect that moment and receive that moment and be grateful for that moment it's a pro tip (laughs) (laughs) yeah i feel i feel like it is and i definitely like the more that i my progression throughout the years that i've been burning what i've found is that the more that i was grateful and present to the gift that was given to me, the synchronicity, no matter how small, that when I delighted in that, it happened over and over again. Mm. Yeah. And the other phenomenon that I've found is what is so true is if stuff starts breaking, if your bike breaks and your headlamp breaks and your backpack won't, people go through these moments where everything is breaking Mm. and that's a sign that you're doing it wrong, <laughs> that you need yeah. to stop and recalibrate. The tension, yeah. There's a, some sort of conflict, some sort of tension, pain point or something that's causing these frustrations or causing yeah. these, you know, breakdowns. And hopefully you see it and hopefully you adjust, right? Yeah. Well, it's that like a was... round, round peg, square hole kind of thing, right? Well, yeah, that was what I had to come to terms with because I kept trying to do stuff that I wanted to do and I would get there and it would be like, oh, it was canceled. Or, oh, it's not happening or whatever it was. And I was like, I had a moment of frustration around it. And like, why am I not getting what I want? Yeah. (laughs) 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 I want what I want. Why am I I not getting it? (laughs) Um, Well, and I wonder to what extent staying in your camp, PPGB, like I wonder to what extent Broadly speaking, I wonder to what extent one's camp shapes one's experience, right? And, you know, and heebie-jeebie is a healing camp. And so by nature, and and I've been there, I know the camp, and and I know some of the people there, so to speak. And we're talking about folks, and we're talking about a camp who I think – comparatively speaking, is probably a bit more open and a bit more attuned and a bit more sensitive and empathetic than your average camp. You know, I'm just going to put that out there, right? So so to what extent is that influencing your experience and helping you tap in and, and helping you be open? Because I'm sure there are other camps that are – and the diversity of camps, there's like 1,500 camps. I mean like – and some camps are just all about the party maybe, right? So. Yeah. 
is that camp going to be maybe be as what's that experience like? You know, mm. so anyways, it's just interesting. I wonder to what to what extent our camps influence our experience. I mean, I think that they can influence it a, a ton. I know that the advantage for, for me has been by being at a healing camp, you were surrounded by healers like all mm. of the time. Like you mm. come into camp and you're broken and sad and there's someone right there who is hugging you for as long as you need to be hugged. Mm. And having that, having that soft landing every time you come back in, like I know, I know that there are a lot of people who maybe dread returning to their camp because there's drama or there's whatever. They don't want to run into someone or there's none of that at the heebies and, and it makes it feel like, yeah, like a place to really recharge and reset before you head back out and see what. Totally, totally. And, you know, and I was thinking about that a lot myself, too, because our camp is, I guess you'd classify it as kind of a theme camp. And essentially, you know, Camp Corny, our camp, you know, we run a spirit animal adoption center. <laughs> so you come in and you use our state-of-the-art technology to get matched with your spirit animal. And we've rescued stuffed animals from around the country who are sick because nobody's ever loved them. And they live on a diet of dance. <laughs> and so for them to be healthy and to be vital, they need love. They need dance. And so, you know, you come through our, and we, by the way, we matched, I think, close to 3,000 spirit animals this year. Oh and we God. have been doing this now for several years. Aww. And you come in, you spin our wheel, stay the art technology matches you. You jump into the, the pool of stuffed animals, which, you know, have several hundred stuffed animals. The first stuffed animal you feel, that's your spirit animal. <laughs> you come out. And then because they live on a diet of dance, you need a party pole. So there's a small minor surgical procedure, not that painful, <laughs> where we insert a party pole up the anus of your spirit animal. You then go to the dance floor and you raise your party pole and you dance with your spirit animal. And that's how you nurse it back to health. And if there is a little pain or discomfort, we run a pharmacy in the back and you can go get some rainbow drink, which is a proprietary formulation to mitigate and alleviate any pain or discomfort. <laughs> and so I, I share this because... You know, that might sound goofy and that might sound ridiculous. And by the way, it's the playa. So, of course, it you know, there's be. plenty, yes. plenty of goof and ridiculousness. And so we play right into that. And it's, you know, and it's a theme and it's a shtick and people get into it and they love it and we own it. And, you know, and so we do three of these parties and, and we've done this over several years. And so what has been happening now, and we, we say our gift is joy, right? Like we're giving the gift of joy to the camp or to the playa. Yeah. And so what has happened now over several years of doing this is that we get videos and photos year round from around the world with people partying and playing with their spirit animal. And furthermore, two things. One is you'll be out deep playa four in the morning, whatever, at some random sound camp or whatever. And you roll up and there are people with their spirit animals. I mean, you will see people with them on their bikes, you know, and you figure if you if we've given away, we've probably given away well over 10,000 stuffed animals now, I guess, over a few years. So you see that joy, right? And then just to kind of talk about poignant stories. So I went to the temple to honor my dad. Hmm. 
Mm. So I'm exploring the temple and it was probably, it was midweek. So it was like Wednesday. So, you know, there's a lot of shrines and a lot of stories and photos and stuff. So I'm, I'm always very interested in the humanity of it and taking all that in. And so I happened upon this one, I guess, shrine, I guess, it wasn't so, but it struck me for some reason. I saw, and I'm, there are several photos, and it's clearly a situation where someone has lost their best friend. And the person writing and posting the memorial was a woman. And she had written this really poignant paragraph about her sadness and her grief of having lost her best friend that their best times together were at Burning Man and that while they intended to burn together for years and years to come, that obviously, you know, the universe had other plans, but that she will burn for them both and that their greatest memories are on Playa and so on and so forth. And I'm guessing the age was way too young, you know, maybe late 20s and not clear what happened. Cancer, COVID, not clear. But I'm looking at the photos of them celebrating at Burning Man over the years, her and her best friend. And one of the big photos is of them at our camp with the spirit animals. And they're standing there and they've got these biggest smiles on their faces, you know, because they've got their their spirit animal. And it's that kind of magic. It's that kind of poignancy that you're talking about, right? I mean, you never know what you're giving to somebody. You never know what what your gift is, maybe, really, to, or you, you have intention, but who knows how it plays out, right? And I brought that story back to camp and shared it at dinner. These are telltale signs, right? Yeah. (laughs) That our intentions sometimes pay off, you know? That's amazing. I love that. I love everything about what your camp is doing. I feel like I can imagine that there are people who need that silliness and need that invitation to dance and that you probably having that kind of a thing allows them to tap into their silliness in a way that they probably don't. Yeah, and, right. And then now the gateway is open. Like you're the gateway. You're the gateway to silliness and dancing. Like that's yes. amazing. <laughs> and one of our highlights is that parents bring their kids through, of course. You of know, course. and to yeah. see and to see the see the kiddos engage, you know, is just amazing as well. So so yeah, you know, I mean, and and then how does that how does Camp Corny, my camp, shape my experience on Playa? Because it's a very specific vibe. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, no matter what camp you're at, it does boil down to the people, right? And if you love your campmates, you love your, you love your camp, you love your time at Burning Man. You know, if there's drama in the camp, <laughs> you know, and there's lots of drama in camps, that might color your bird as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Did you have a specific thing that was significant beyond that. Like that was, that was amazing. Mm. But is there something Mm. that happened to you or that you ended up doing that maybe revealed something about you that you didn't know before or might have you thinking about things differently or. You know, it's interesting. This burn, I mean, it was great. It was different than I thought. I found it. I was excited. I was stoked to go, stoked to get there, stoked to stay the whole time, which because, as I said earlier, this was my first time seeing the man burn. However, I I observed that because I showed up that Thursday before 
Thursday prior, right, to the event officially starting, just help set up camp. And I showed up tired. Life had been, the summer's been insane for all kinds of reasons I won't bore you with, but I showed up tired. I was excited and I was happy and I was grateful to, to be there, but I just showed up tired. I showed up with a lot of my mind. And it was interesting because it actually took me a couple days to start to kind of unwind and plug in. And, and then, although my daughter gave me her blessing to go, we had celebrated her birthday. You know, my, I established a, a tradition with my daughter called Daddy Daughter Dates. And, we, and since she was two, like we just go out and have our Daddy Daughter Dates. And so we'd had a special Daddy Daughter Date to commemorate her birthday and, and all that prior to me leaving. And we had a whole celebration, just her and I. And so anyway, but turns out I actually, on her birthday in particular, was just like overridden with guilt. Like just like, and I missed her and I was like sad and I just suddenly didn't want to be there. I wanted to be with her, you know. And so I didn't see that coming. So there was just for me, there was like, and then I called her on her birthday. I went, you know, caught a signal somewhere and, and called her and we talked and she was fine. She was having a great day. She wanted to hear about me and she was fine. And that was a big relief. So then, and I don't mean to sound so negative about this because it was an awesome burn. But like when I caught that signal to call her, I got a text from the best man of my wedding and he was hiding in a hotel in Oslo, battling depression. And he was just in this dark place. And I get this email. I get this, you know, as I'm like in the middle of my burning, he's been to Burning Man several times, you know? And so it was just this, and and I was, and I try to call, you know, and then I immediately try to call him and try to deal with that. And, you know, so it was weird because there were, amazing, wonderful moments and funny moments and I'll share those. But then there was this sort of like hard to shake the default world Mm. kind of reality that I was like grappling with. And I didn't see those things coming and, you know, we're off the grid. It's not like you're just going to run home and deal with something. Right. So I was really felt like I was being tested and, you know, and I have been meditating a lot last two years and I have been practicing, you know, letting go and, and all that. And, you know, and as crass as it might sound to the uninitiated, I was a real, t- I felt like this was a test. Like I have to, nothing I can do here. I've done what I could do given the circumstances. I have to let this go and I have to really plug in. I'm here. I want to be here now. I want to be mindful and intentional. And so I was able to get there, but it was just this tug of war. Like the whole kind of week for me, it was kind of a little bit of a tug of war. I think you know, as crazy as it sounds, by Thursday, by Wednesday night or Thursday morning, I had sort of finally was able to be empty and present and unplugged. And but it was it was a bit of a struggle prior to that. And the other thing too is my camp. I'm one of the older dudes in my camp. You know, my average age of my camp is probably like thirty, like thirty to forty, or thirty-two to forty-two, or something. And mm. And most folks are there with their significant others, you know, husbands, wives, partners, whatever it is. And so I'm sort of observing two people loving something together, right? Mm -hmm. And loving each other in a moment. And I love my solitude. Don't get me wrong. I love my time alone. I need my time alone. I need my solitude. 
But to be a Burning Man alone, and you could speak to this, right? Because you're single and, and looking for that, you know, and it's like, it's interesting. I mean, I, I'd love to share it with my wife, but my wife's not into it. And yeah. she's, she's cool to let me go. She's like, go, do your thing. Like, I totally have her blessing. But, you know, there's a longing there. There was like, I guess I had longing. And maybe that the word didn't dawn on me until just now. But there was a bit of a longing there that I hadn't experienced. And to be clear about this, like 2018, I mean, there's nothing quite like your first burn. My first burn was 2018. Then by 2019, I'm like, oh, I'm in this. Like, let's go, right? You know, and I really felt like, okay, yeah, I, I didn't know what this is or I have a sense of what it is for myself. And, you know, so 2019 was in some ways even better than 2018 because I had a sense of what it was in some ways. And then we had three years off, right. you know, and so I kind of feel like this burn was sort of like a first burn again in some ways. I guess I had experience and expect, you know, and I knew kind of what to expect so on and so forth, but maybe emotionally or spiritually it was I don't know I was sort of back to square one a little bit on some level so yeah man I don't know I mean it was interesting listen to be clear the family reunion nature of the experience was a highlight for me just to see some of my favorite people in the world right like it's like oh you (laughs) give me a fucking hug man you know I haven't seen you in three fucking years like you know yeah so I love the family reunion nature of it yeah so I, I've had a couple of thoughts. You're not the only one that I've heard who has said, who, who struggled with, with dropping in. Yeah. And I wonder if part of that is just the fact that we have been so plugged in, right? The yeah, pandemic, that's a great point. The yeah. pandemic really plugged us all in to each other and the screens and the immediacy of this world and the instant communication and the zoom calls and Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. right and so like the 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 practice of being present and out in the world Mm. is Mm. was especially rare like our muscles aren't super strong with that yeah and they've atrophied right they've atrophied Yeah. 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 yeah 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 And so my guess is that that's probably it's part of the reason why I like doing early team is because I get to work out that during early team and I don't have to waste days at the burn trying to figure out how to let that stuff go. But Mm. I saw a lot of people being tested by Mm. events at home Mm. being like, oh, are you really allowed to disappear? Are you really allowed to unplug for a full week? And (sighs) yeah. That's a great point. I mean, you know, I hadn't thought of it that way because we, for the last three years, have essentially been so close to those closest to us, right? So if you're quarantining, you're quarantining with your family, you're quarantining with, you know, whatever the case, right? And you have the technology. And, you know, when you're unplugging once a year on a regular basis, you're sort of like, you know, you have that rhythm, you have that muscle memory, you have that momentum. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. This is just part of the the frequency or whatever, right? But after three years of being not doing that and then finally unplugging again, I could, yeah, I could see how maybe that was just not something I was, I hadn't trained for that. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I was sort of out of shape, right? The, my muscles weren't, were, were atrophied, right? Yeah. But I did have a kind of a funny story. There's always goofy shit that happens, right? You know, kind of one of the fun things. So I met myself in a dust storm. So um, I met met myself in a dust storm. So I was leaving Temple after having that wonderful, you know, Mm. kind of experience I shared. 
And as I'm trying, as I'm leaving Temple, one of the whiteout blizzards socked me in, socked <laughs> us in. And so outside, I don't know if you have saw that sort of little installation out into the left of Temple as you sort of leaving the main entrance, but there were these flowers that somebody had planted there. They were probably six, eight, 10 feet tall and they were beautiful. And so I basically made it, just as the whiteout was, I couldn't see five feet in front of me, but I made it to those flowers and there was a little bench there. And so I was like, well, shit, I'm just going to sit here and watch the flowers and the sandstorm. And, you know, maybe I'll be here for 10 hours. I don't know, but I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're like, what are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? And, uh, <laughs> and so I'm there, I don't know, 45 minutes or something. And or maybe man, whatever, 30 minutes. But in through the dust, I see this lost soul that they're seemingly lost soul that that's sort of like making his way with his bike. And, and I said, I said, Hey, come over here. I said, there's a bench, you know, you can take a break. So this gentleman, you know, this guy comes up and I said, Hey, I said, how you, you know, how you burning? And he's like, oh, it's my first burn. He's like, you know, it's crazy. And I'm like, yep, yep. Nothing quite like your first time. I said, where are you from? And he said, Los Angeles. I said, oh, I said, so I'm from Los Angeles. I said, what's your name? He said, Scott. I said, well, my name is Scott. <laughs> and, and, and we, he and I just end up like talking for an hour during the sandstorm. You know, I was just, like meeting myself, talking to myself. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. Just a fun, goofy thing. And for those people listening who haven't been to Playa or Burning Man, I mean, when you think about the immensity of the space and the fact that Two people are going to come together in a whiteout yeah. snowstorm in the middle of fucking nowhere, a whiteout sandstorm, and turns out to be, you know, somebody that is, you know, from your town with the same name as you. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, and you're talking to him, you got to talk to him about, like, you have a deep appreciation for that first burn. And yeah. you got to feel that again, right? Like he's totally, reminding you of totally, that. Totally, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, I, I was that guy, you know, my first yeah. burn out there, loss of stuff. What have I done? <laughs> um, that's so good. Newbie, you're the best. And I want to be respectful of your time. This is fantastic. I hope you'll come back. Maybe we can do a part two. Sure. <laughs> you <know>? yes. Yeah. <laughs> You know me, I'm up for the conversations because oh, this world is so mundane. How how do I do like that's it's it's this is the the struggle is real for me. The struggle is real for me. Struggle is real, indeed. I need to, I guess, drop into the gratitude of being able to do laundry. That's what I gotta do. Yeah. Well, how do you find the sacred in the mundane? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's the challenge, right? Yeah. That's the challenge. You're serving yourself. You're washing your clothes. <laughs> you know, it's an act of service. You're just <laughs> yeah. serving yourself. Well, uh, and everyone else, too, who's yeah, going to be in my yeah. orbit. They don't want me. Although I will admit that when I was putting the laundry in, I was covered in dust and I like, I had to smell it. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> I love the dust. I do. <laughs> even after this year, even after this crazy, dusty year. I, I, I do, too. I love the dust. Although it gave me an eye infection. I'm like, literally, yeah, my my eyes are like messed up. They've been messed oh, up no. for a week. Oh, yes. no. <laughs> so, oh no! Guess I should have worn my goggles. I, you know, and I did, but yeah, somehow, <laughs> some way, I got a little bit of extra, extra playa power in my uh, eyes. 
But uh, anyway, I, I mean, you're wait. So you're heading to a decompression right now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. There's a burner bar here in Denver called the Beacon. Mm-hmm. It's this beautiful art bar, and it was created by burners. And so mm-hmm. I got back, and I was like, "Okay, what do I need to do?" And I'm like, "What's Beacon doing?" And then it was like decompression party on Sunday. Like, right okay, on. There you go. Supply it provides. Well, you enjoy and do me a favor. Tell all of the burners hello for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another burner says, hey. <laughs> like, are, there any, are there any Scots here? Yeah, are there any right. Scots here? <laughs> <laughs> we're everywhere. Dude. We're everywhere. <laughs> Well, you enjoy the decompression and let's not let a year go by. We didn't even joke at all about the fact that we missed each other on the playa. Uh, here know. we are reconnecting, but uh, but that's it. That's it. It wasn't meant to be and that's fine, you know. And uh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm mad about we that now. too. I'm mad about that too. That was another thing. I thought for sure I would see you and I didn't. And so And you know, you know, but here's the truth. You know we were out of sync. We were sent, and by the way, the photo you sent me of you, that beautiful photo, you're, you're with your friends, and I can tell that it's morning time, and you're at the Robo Heart party that was Friday morning. I think it was the sunrise set. I bet it was the sunrise set because I was there. Oh. <laughs> you know? and, and I know we were dancing by each other. We were just, you know, that's it. It's like, how yeah. close can you be and still miss each other? <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. Uh, so true. That's why when you do see people out there, you're like, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, and you'll appreciate this because I met you through Lunatic. And this year, Lunatic's son, David, who's a dear friend of mine. I freaking uh, love that guy. He's I awesome, right? Guy. And, yeah. and so he and I go way back. And and so suddenly he's there, you know, with his pop. And I was so glad that they were together. And mm-hmm. I had seen them a couple of times. I had actually saw them early on. And then they came to Camp Corny. We went out Monday night a little bit. Nice. And then we had missed each other. And that morning at the sunrise set, I'm dancing my ass off, whatever. I turn around and right behind me is David and Lunatic and their friend. I'm like, yeah. Yay! Yes. Look at us. We're here. Everything's happening. It's all the things. <laughs> yes. Those are the best. That is the best. So good. That's so good. All right, newbie. Much love, my friend. Much and love. Uh, enjoy your decompression. And we'll talk, you know, more to come. More, more to, to come. come. Thank you for the space to drop back into the playa on this afternoon. Much appreciated. You got it. You got it. The honor is ours and the gifts continue. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> good talking well, to you. Good. We'll see you later. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Not Real Art Podcast. Please make sure to like this episode, write a review, and share with your friends on social. Also, remember to subscribe so you get all of our new episodes. Not Real Art is produced by Crew West Studios in Los Angeles. Our theme music was created by Ricky Peugeot and Desi DeLauro from the band Parlor Social. Not Real Art is created by We Edit Podcast and hosted by Captivate. Thanks again for listening to Not Real Art. We'll be back soon with another inspiring episode celebrating creative culture and the artists who make it.